Thanks for listening to this show from Aspen Public Radio. Archive podcasts, news, and more are made available thanks to the support of listeners like you. To make a donation of support, log on to aspenpublicradio.org. And thanks. This is Cross Currents on Aspen Public Radio. I'm Carolyn Heldman. Coming up on today's show, Sally Bernard. She's the board president of Extreme Sports Camp, an athletic experience for autism. They're having their major fundraiser Sunday, February 15th at the Hotel Jerome, lighted up blue Aspen. And then classical music contributor Chris Moore with world-renowned pianist Conrad Tao. He's coming to town next week to play a house music benefit concert for Aspen Public Radio. But first, Sally Bernard. Lighted Up Blue Aspen is an evening to raise awareness for autism at the historic Hotel Jerome on Sunday, February 15th. Sally Bernard founded Extreme Sports Camp, one of the beneficiaries of Sunday night's event. Tell me about Extreme Sports Camp. We've been operating since 2004, so last year was our 10th anniversary. And we started very small uh, as a one-week summer camp experience for uh, children with autism. And ever since that first summer, uh, which had three kids, one of Mm -hmm. whom was my son, uh, participating each year we've grown. And now we run eight weeks in the summer and we have a youth program and an adult program uh, because the number of people with autism who are adults is growing. And we've added a winter program where we go out skiing. Uh, primarily at uh, Snowmass, but also any mountain where the individual wants to ski. And we are now partnering with AVSC to provide support for local kids uh, to go out skiing um, with their peers on the Saturdays at either Snowmass or Buttermilk. And um, we also have added a Saturday enrichment program for local uh, school-age kids uh, on the autism spectrum. When you first came up with the idea, was it just out of a personal experience that you had with your son gaining some benefit from being outside and participating in athletic activities? How did that happen? Absolutely. Uh, My son, Bill, who is now 27 with autism, has uh, two brothers, and they were typically developing uh, kids. They had a lot of choices about summer camps uh, that they could go to, um, local nearby camps. And they also, you know, went to uh, this wonderful camp in Maine. And my son was not welcome at any of those programs. And uh, the programs for kids with disabilities, he was not uh, welcome at most of them, too, because he has can have challenging behaviors. And uh, the ones where the very few that he could go to, um, I didn't feel they were very challenging um, and engaging, a lot of sitting around and quote-unquote therapy. So my goal was to create a summer camp experience that was very close to what typical kids can do. 
And uh, out here in the Roaring Fork Valley, our summer program includes uh, kayaking and rafting on the river. Uh, we go climbing indoor and outdoor at Independence Pass or No Name. Uh, we go out to Rifle Lake and we do water skiing and wakeboarding. Um, we go on hikes and hut trips and uh, swimming, mountain biking now. Um, we had five kids who learn how to ride a bike for the first time. And some of these were teenagers. They had never had the opportunity to ride a bike. Mm. And we taught them how to ride a bike. Do you have a facility where they come and stay? We don't have our own place. That's one of our strategic planning goals. Mm. But um, we use the facilities of CMC and Spring Valley. They have a dorm. uh, And we occupy one of their floors uh, in the summertime and get to use their cafeteria. And, you know, it's just a wonderful uh, campus up there, nice and quiet and really beautiful. How many kids come to the sessions? The maximum that will allow per session is 22 participants, uh, which may seem like a small number, but each of those participants is paired up with um, a counselor or a skills trainer, a one-on-one situation, because they need that support. And if you're going out, like on the river, right. climbing, you really have to have uh, someone supporting them. So we allow 22, and so uh, for eight weeks. Some campers go for multiple weeks. We have campers who go all eight weeks, some that go one week or four weeks or something like that. So that's our capacity in the summer. Were you a 501c3 from the very beginning? And were you the founder and and president then? And then did you hire an executive director to administer the camp? So um, we incorporated as a a nonprofit 501c3 in 2004. And... I had the idea, well, what if my son Bill just went out uh, with, you know, um, a caregiver uh, to experience the valley in the summertime, and we'd put together this athletic outdoor recreational program for him. So that was the trial balloon two years before we started, and then the trial went really well. (laughs) It was the first time my son had been away from home, and I was in tears, and he was like, by and had the most fabulous time. So I said, okay, this is, you know, feels feels right. So it was in 2004, we took the plunge. We set ourselves up as a 501c3. I was never the ED. I have always been the board president and co-founder and, uh, of course, an uncompensated position. <laughs> and then... Um, a labor of love. A labor of love. And when we first started, we didn't really have an executive director. We had a, our program director and some counselors. And then I think it was the year, it was 2005, we said, okay, well, this is growing. We got our ED and then, you know, became like a real, <laughs> a real organization. You're listening to Cross Currents on Aspen Public Radio. My guest is Sally Bernard. She's the board president of Extreme Sports Camp, an athletic experience for autism. Sally's a co-founder of Extreme Sports Camp. Her organizational management skills were developed as founder and CEO of a successful market research firm, which she led for over 15 years. Sally's been involved with autism-related causes since 1992 when her son was diagnosed with PDD. NOS, and then Classic Autism. She's an active member of several national autism organizations and has written and presented extensively on autism biomedical issues. Sally graduated with honors from Radcliffe University and currently resides in Aspen. 
were you the first and have there been others that have that have come to being since you started there, around the country or around yeah, the world? Yeah, so there there are more opportunities for kids uh, with autism around the country. Um, there's Easter Seals camps, Y, y camps. Uh, but none of them do what we do, uh, which is really from, you know, 9 in the morning until 5 o'clock in the afternoon, um, our guys are going out and they're being active. They're doing all these different sports, and we are committed to sports progression where they're really learning how to mm-hmm. do it. So it's not just an experience. Um, an experience, although that there's a lot of benefit in just having the experience. But our goal is to, you know, have the experience and also to learn. Um, and to my knowledge, there's no other camps that offer that overnight experience that are committed to sports and learning the sport. How is your son today? And is he involved? Yes, he is uh, still a participant. And we have one of the uh, program areas that we've expanded to uh, starting in the fall was a comprehensive adult life program. And my son is enrolled in that. And some other uh, clients in that program are doing social social interactions. Uh, they still do their sports. Uh, they're doing employment. Uh, we're creating jobs for them. And uh, they're also still doing um, basic learning like academics and things like that. And so he's part of that program. We also set up our first residential house. It's down in Carbondale, right on the park. And uh, right now my son is living there um, with another adult with autism and uh, two house managers, it's a respite care provider, and then a third adult will join them in the spring. So um, he's officially out of the house. Uh, we're empty nesters, and he has blossomed by being down there, I think, away from his parents and having his own place and being with people his own age and his peers. It's been a fabulous um, transition for him. I've personally noticed um, more awareness, more publicity, more uh, popular culture exploring autism. Have you noticed that? And do you think that helps? Yes. So it's it, your 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 observations are absolutely correct. Um, Twenty years ago, the rate of autism um, was estimated by scientists to be about one in twenty five hundred children. And the latest uh, Centers for Disease Control, the government uh, numbers, are that it, uh, it affects one in 68 children. So that's a huge increase. Part of that increase is due to more awareness that autism exists and that it is a spectrum disorder. Diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and so there's kids, when we say spectrum, it's, you know, more severely impacted kids or adults and then um, more mildly affected ones. So there's a, a range. But it's also the increase is also due to, you know, a real increase. And so we're seeing a lot more autism, uh, cases of autism, and the providers of services uh, for this group of people is growing to meet that need. And so, you know, our organization is part of that. And then there are other organizations. Government funding has not kept up with the increase that we've seen. And uh, so 
families are really scrambling. Autism is very costly, you know, for the therapies, and and many of these um, individuals have what's called uh, co-occurring conditions that add to um, their needs, and they can be medical issues or, you know, psychological issues. You're listening to Cross Currents on Aspen Public Radio. My guest is Sally Bernard. She's the board president of Extreme Sports Camp, an athletic experience for autism. Sally's been involved with autism-related causes since 1992 when her son was diagnosed with PDD, NOS, and then classic autism. So one of the primary ways that you raise money is this big fundraiser you have coming up this weekend, and there's a couple parts to it. Well, our main event takes place on Sunday, February the 15th at the Hotel Jerome, and the name of the event is Light It Up Blue Aspen. Uh, Blue is the color of autism. We call it the rockin'est party of the winter for Aspen. It benefits our organization, Extreme Sports Camp, which we're changing the name to Ascendigo to reflect our broader program offerings. And also Autism Speaks, uh, which is a national organization, but they're The proceeds from this will benefit uh, Colorado. And so uh, those are the beneficiaries, and we are looking for a great turnout. Um, It will be a lot of fun, and uh, that is one of our primary fundraisers for the year. How do people get tickets if they're interested? They can go to our website. The event has its own website, and it's called lightitupblueaspen.org. You go there and you can um, see where you can buy tickets or make a donation. Who's going to be there? Because we have some celebrities, um, some special guests who are going to be present. And uh, you can see how much fun it's going to be. And prior to that, there's something going on at Highlands? Yes, that is our Community Awareness Day uh, taking place at Highlands on uh, the day before Valentine's Day, February the 14th. And it's an all-day affair. Um, Extreme Sports Campus Indigo will have a booth um, there at the at the base, and um, you can uh, go up the mountain and ski around. Uh, it's a scavenger hunt and find ten facts, fascinating facts about autism. And the more of these facts you collect, uh, the more times you can enter into our drawing to get a pair of bomber skis um, that's being provided by one of our sponsors, Sentient Jet. Is there pre-registration required for the ski event at Highlands, or just anyone with a ticket that day can participate? Yeah, anyone who's who comes to Highlands can participate. Our booth is there for anyone, whether you go up the hill or not, then if you, you know, ski up the hill and you can look for these, uh, the answers to these 10 facts questions and uh, then come back down and submit your name. So it's totally free. And the drawing uh, will be held at the end, at the close of the ski day. And then we're having a nice apres party at the uh, Highlands Ale House, where uh, the winner of the drawing will be announced. Give us a little hint about the guests that you have coming to the events. Well, we have uh, two special guests uh, that I think everyone will will love uh, seeing and talking to. The first is Johnny Mosley. He is a Olympic gold medalist skier, and um, he's also in the National Ski Team Hall of Fame. He's been a host on Saturday Night Live and MTV as well as other programs. 
wonderful personality. He'll be there at Lighted Up Blue Aspen at the Jerome on Sunday. And he's also going to be skiing with us um, Saturday afternoon over at Highlands. So catch him there. And our other guest is Dr. Jennifer Berman. She is uh, one of the co-host stars of the Doctors uh, TV series um, on CBS, and she has a special interest in autism. The producer of the show has a special interest in autism, and they will be filming at Lighted Up Blue Aspen at the Jerome on Sunday and also out filming uh, at Highlands on uh, Saturday afternoon. And then they will be compiling um, their footage and having it on their show in a couple months from now. Sally Bernard is the board president of Extreme Sports Camp. Thanks so much for your time and have a great weekend. Thank you so much. The fourth annual Lighted Up Blue Aspen, a grand evening to raise awareness for autism at the historic Hotel Jerome, is Sunday, February 15th, with guests Olympic gold medalist Johnny Mosley and Dr. Jennifer Berman. All proceeds of the evening will benefit Extreme Sports Camp Ascendigo and Autism Speaks. Coming up next on Aspen Public Radio, classical music contributor Chris Moore with world-renowned pianist Conrad Tao. He's playing in a house music benefit concert for Aspen Public Radio next Wednesday night. Tickets and information about the concert are at our website, aspenpublicradio.org. Coming up next on Aspen Public Radio, classical music contributor Chris Moore with Conrad Tao. Conrad Tao has appeared worldwide as a pianist and composer and has been dubbed a musician of probing intellect and open-hearted vision by the New York Times. Wednesday, February 11th, Conrad Tao will be featured in a house music benefit concert for Aspen Public Radio. Tickets and information at aspenpublicradio.org. You have a pretty long-term relationship with Aspen and even Colorado. I've seen you with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra in Denver, the Boulder Philharmonic recently, and of course up in Aspen. Can you tell us about how long you've been studying up in Aspen and, and having Aspen be a part of your life? Well, Aspen's been a part of my life since the summer of 2004, mm-hmm. and that was my first year there as a student, and I went every single year as a student until 2010. So you weren't even 10 years old when you first came to Aspen. I was studying both violin and piano. I was, from the beginning, uh, playing in orchestras, and uh, those are, in many ways, those are my fondest Aspen memories, as well as my fondest violin memories, just because I love orchestra playing, and I was lucky enough in Aspen to be placed in orchestras where we were doing new repertoire every week and or the different conductor every week and the different soloist every week and and so that was kind of extraordinary i got to listen to and really learn and sink my teeth or to begin to sink my teeth into a lot of repertoire was it up in aspen or was it somewhere else and with someone else that the decision got made either by you or with the prodding of teachers or whoever to go for a piano career instead of a violin career you know, that almost happened entirely, that decision almost made itself, which is kind of how I like my decisions to feel. I, when I was 14, I think, if I'm getting that right, I did a, a series of concerts where I 
Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto and Mendelssohn's Piano Concerto on the same program. Uh-huh. And I did this a number of times. It was kind of a, it was kind of a learning experience, and it also kind of solidified my decision to take an early retirement. Or maybe it like it, it spurred that decision on. The only thing I really miss about playing the violin in a more public setting is playing in orchestras. And you've certainly had a chance to play with orchestras since then as a pianist. You haven't really missed that. We, we heard you... Sure, yes, in, indeed. In Boulder, for example, you played Beethoven's Fifth Piano Concerto just last month. Mm-hmm. One thing that struck me about that is that I know you enjoy contemporary music very much, and you're very at home with 21st century music. At the same time, it seems to me as though you play with the same excitement and enthusiasm and passion for the composers who some people would call warhorses, but you don't play it like it's a warhorse. Well, that's lovely to hear. Um, I, I guess for me, it's not very easy to even engage with pieces on that level, um, or I find that whenever I let myself get even the slightest whiff of treating a work like a, a warhorse, I suppose, or some sort of, I guess the whole notion of standard repertoire. It just, it's, after a while, it starts to feel a bit like shorthand. It starts to feel difficult, I guess, to engage with the material in like a really honest way and immediate way. And that's what I ultimately really try to do as a performer. And so it doesn't, it's great to hear that it comes across, I guess, with the same kind of unpredictability, maybe, and the same, hopefully, the same freshness with which I think contemporary repertoire almost inherently lends itself to just by virtue of its newness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's lovely to hear. Thank you very much. The other thing that struck me when I was hearing the Beethoven was there are times when you played the piano with so much force that I was looking around to see if the the piano was being amplified. But much of the time, that some of the faster passages, it sounded like I wasn't hearing notes. I was just hearing flow. I can't speak exactly to what you hear because that's kind of inevitably a bit of a mystery to me on stage and a mystery that I enjoy. But I will say that I, one of the things that I think about quite a bit in my work and what I'm practicing is how the piece works almost gesturally and, and how the piece almost feels physically. Like, not just for me on stage, because that's kind of a bit of a hermetic kind of physicality, but mm-hmm. the, the physicality of the sound and the phrase, that's something I'm really, really interested in, sort of how can a phrase almost feel like the most natural thing in the world? How can a phrase have the ebb and flow and the natural kind of weight of gravity, for example? In a strange way, that's what a lot of the passage work in the Beethoven reveals itself as for me. It's a lot of gesture and a lot of sort of presentation. I don't want to say, the notes aren't inconsequential. They're in service of something else, you know, especially mm-hmm. in in something like The Emperor, which is so flagrantly virtuosic and flagrantly filled with passage work. I'd like to ask also, you, you talked about how much you used to enjoy playing in an orchestra as a violinist, yes. and, and yet when you were in Boulder, I know that you had winter house concert there just last month, mm-hmm. and here you are coming to Aspen and offering another house concert, this one to benefit Aspen Public Radio's classical program. Tell us a little bit about the intimacy of house concerts, because obviously you're somebody who is more than willing to offer these this particular way of expressing your musicality. I really love playing small house concerts. I love that intimate setting. Very, very selfishly, uh, one of my favorite things about a house concert is just that I think it affords a closeness to the audience 
and therefore a closeness on my end to the audience. It just it feels like I can really do tinier details if I want to, um, mm-hmm. if I'm so inclined. It, it, I guess it's a setting that really lends itself to just kind of inviting an audience in. I mean, when I'm on stage for a recital, usually that's what I'm going for anyway, is trying to invite audiences into a world. Um, and I think the intimacy of a house concert just kind of lends itself to that. Um, and also there's a, generally I found there's a casualness to a house concert that I really appreciate. There just isn't space for some of the pretensions that sometimes show up in a, in a more traditionally concert hall setting. Of course, we at Aspen Public Radio are very grateful for the generosity of your time to fly all the way out to Aspen to perform for us for this this one private house concert. And I wanted to ask you if part of the motivation for you agreeing to put on this concert is because radio has been so helpful in your career in general. And this this feels to me like I, I feel very grateful that you seem to be giving back to the world of uh, public radio, classical radio, etc. Well, I grew up with it. I grew up with it. I, you know, aside from it being a way for me to be heard, it was just, it was my gateway. Wonderful to be going to school every morning and hearing Lisa Flynn on WFMT. And so I have extremely fond memories and associations with public radio. And so, no, this is an absolute pleasure. I think there's something crucial about public radio just on the level even of programming in terms of what it presents to our listening public, the opportunities that public radio as a format has to bring people programming that's a little bit surprising, to bring people programming that feels responsible, that's extremely special. And uh, to bring people programming that feels representative of the listenership, that can't be taken for granted. And it's something that I think we have to work to fight for and if I can do that in any small way, I think that that's something to me. As you greet us up here in Aspen, I'm hoping you'll also make a little time just to greet individually some of the people who will be there and people have a chance to to get to shake your hand and say hello. Oh, absolutely. Meeting meeting the public and, and actually interacting with people. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about the intimacy of the house format. You know, you really get to converse with your audience and and even even in the concert again the intimacy of that format it feels more immediately like a conversation between audience and performer but i am also going to be having that having like actual spoken conversations as well conrad tal thank you again so much for your time we're very much looking forward to you coming and perhaps we'll see you wandering around the streets of aspen during that week of february 11th as well I will be in Aspen in some capacity. Um, I mean, the, the great thing is at this point, it feels like a place that I can come back to, and and it's a, I've, I've really found it's a lovely place to debut program. Mm-hmm. Especially because I've been there so many times, and it's a family there. Uh, so it's really a nice place to kind of bring a program, because it's a bit of a cushioned landing anyway. Right. Uh, just from the, uh, I guess, from the spiritual and, and communal Yeah, I, I've talked to so many musicians who said things, and I agree because I've, got, I've been to New York and I've obviously been to many recitals and concerts there, 
And there's a level of attentiveness at the Aspen Music Festival, and and people don't sneeze as much, it seems. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, people really seem to be there because because they want to be, you know. And 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 it's sad that it feels like that's not always the case, but it's not always the case. And so it's lovely to be in a place where that is by and large the norm. That's classical music contributor Chris Moore with world-renowned pianist Conrad Tao, who's playing next week, Wednesday, February 11th, in a benefit concert for Aspen Public Radio. For tickets and information, go to our website, aspenpublicradio.org. This is Cross Currents on Aspen Public Radio. If you missed the show or would like to hear it again, go to our website, aspenpublicradio.org. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to this show from Aspen Public Radio. Archive podcasts, news, and more are made available thanks to the support of listeners like you. To make a donation of support, log on to aspenpublicradio.org. And thanks.